Hey, I want to welcome you all. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. And at this point, I just want to say it is so fantastic to see all your faces because I can see everybody right now. This is great. Y'all look good. And it's a really big deal that you're here. Um, Today might be number one. Today might be 4,262.1 for some of you. Uh, And it's a big deal. 
And we really count that a big deal, and we value you being here. Um, at this point, would you pass the friendship folders? We'd appreciate that. And we have something really cool we've been trying to do. I think it's cool. I mean, Ken thinks it's cool, so maybe the two of us. But we have these boxes in the lobby. We're calling it Operation Christmas Neighbor. So Operation Christmas Child, Operation Christmas Neighbor. And there's two things we're asking. Is it you bake or buy cookies, put them in this box, hand them to your neighbor, and simply you could say, hey, just really glad we're neighbors. Take it a step further, and you could give them a card or just let them know, hey, we have Christmas Eve here at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. at our church. Here's a card to remind you. And, and what service do you think you would be able to go to if they can go? And maybe you change your time so that you can go with your neighbor. Most people, I think it's like 80% of the people, don't go to church because no one's asked them. And I know that uh, our neighbors are going to get a box of Lady Locks that my wife just made, and they're phenomenal because I know law's recipe. But so that's, that's what this is all about. So there's a flyer and there's a box in the lobby. And we'd appreciate if you grab one of those, grab two and get them to your neighbors, invite them to Christmas Eve, 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. There will be no Saturday night service. Um, we've been talking about the birthday gift of Jesus and it has been so cool for me personally to see just how God is using our church and increasing our generosity here at Crossroads. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Ken up to talk a little bit more about that. Aren't you excited? You notice that little bit of red starting to go up on a thermometer? Our goal is 81,000 um, to help with these missionaries around the world. And uh, we're up to 34,000 has come in so far. Can we give God a hand for that? Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> I, uh, I, I'm thrilled at the response that God has been giving so far. And uh, I'm asking everyone in our church to make Christmas about Jesus to, uh, you know, we give so many gifts to people, but to make your gift, your largest gift to Jesus himself. And when we do that, it changes us. It really does. Uh, These are our partners. If you could take out in the bulletin, you'll see the birthday gift to Jesus list. As you open that, you'll see where the fold goes across there. Uh, There's uh, the person I'd like to highlight today is Anthony and Jamie Vahela. They are in the Czech Republic. Uh, We got word this week that they were in need to uh, get a down payment for a house. Now, they're, they're trying to get a house in the check. It's cheaper if they can buy this house versus all the rent, and, but they needed a down payment. And so we were able to afford to them that 2000 already to help them get that down payment. Isn't that exciting? Let's give our God a hand. We were there, man. You know, <clears throat> God, God already had that there for them ready to go, so we were able to advance that quickly and help him to be able to get that down payment on that house. So we want to thank God for that. I just want to open your eyes to what, what God is doing through our church. Uh, you know, our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And everybody on this list, that is their mission, to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as you go down the list, you'll see here's the, this guy from uh, Anthony and Jamie Vahala. They have four or five kids. They showed up here in the summer. They stopped in to see us. Uh, we put them up in a hotel because they needed, they needed a place to stay for a night or two as they were traveling through. I said, make sure we get a pool for those little kids, right? So we had them up here. I had them meet the staff. And we had some pizza. And, you know, he, he sent back an email uh, just recently rem- remembering those little things, pizza, pool for the kids. And I'm like, you know what? They're just real people. 
And there are people who are serving God and they, they, need, they need us to come alongside of them and encourage them. And so I love encouraging our missionaries like that and, uh, and, and thanking God that we are able to do that through, through the birthday gift of Jesus fund. As you look up and down there, you'll see there's uh, just people from all over the world there. We have, here's Karen Worth in Indonesia. Our church has been sponsoring her for years. We, we support her on an ongoing basis. Scott and Jenny Phillips. Uh, Scott and Jenny were here not long ago, probably about uh, maybe, maybe a little over a year ago they were here and shared their ministry, what God is doing with them. They're reaching the unreached people groups, the tribal people out in, in Indonesia. And so uh, they have the, the Deo Ministries. And so they're, they're trying to advance the kingdom of God to the unreached people groups. So we want to en- uh, just encourage you, take this and pray over this. At Christmas, after Christmas is over, continue to pray over this. Pray all year over these names and, and think about them. And uh, we, we want to make more and more of a connection from our church to these missionaries. We've gotten to know the Gonzaleses super well. They're our missionaries in Ecuador. Uh, they're, they're good friends. I, last year on Christmas Eve, I got home and, and they, they FaceTimed me, you know, and, and, and they sang Feliz Navidad to me at eight o'clock at night on, on uh, you know, Feliz Navidad, all right? And so it was, it was pretty cool because I guess that's Merry Christmas, you know, in uh, Spanish. So they, they had a good time with us. We've connected and we've got these relationships. We're partnering with these people to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity so far and thank you as you respond to the Lord. So just ask the Lord, uh, you know, what can you give? When my kids ask me, well, how, much is, how much should you give to the birth to give to Jesus? I always tell them, you can never outgive the Lord. If God's given to you and you give to him, you just can't outgive the Lord and just watch what he will do. He'll take care of your needs as he's using you to meet their needs. Amen? So I, uh, for many of you that have been here for many years, you're, you're, you're accustomed to that. But for others, you're, you're relatively new. You're saying, wow, this is a whole lot of money at the end of the year. And uh, we, just, we just like to put Jesus at the top. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to give freely, give out of a heart of joy, and just, just pray to the Lord and say, all right, God, if you give me that figure, I'll give it. And if he doesn't, you don't. And it's uh, that, that simple and that exciting, all right? This time I'd like to invite our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. As they come, I just want to say thank you to everybody who was part of the Christmas Dessert Theater last week. Wasn't that awesome? Um, I want to say thank you to Beth DePietro, Beth and Vince, man. They did a great job making this happen. Uh, can we just say thank you to Beth? She's in the back there today. Thank you, Beth. We appreciate you. Appreciate your leadership in uh, working with our team. And uh, we're just so thankful. And doesn't this look beautiful up here already? It's amazing how our church can transform in a few days. And I want to say thank you to Jeanette for helping so much with decorations back here. She lived up here for two days, man. So we thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you. And Lord, we are just so thankful for all your good work. Lord, uh, you allowed us to reach out to our local community last weekend with the... With the uh, Christmas Dessert Theater, A Perfect Christmas. Lord, you reached in, you, you tapped on many hearts, and many people became followers of Jesus that night. And God, you're great. You're greatly to be praised. Fathers, we give to you now, Lord, we realize that everything that we have comes from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And so we give this to you, Lord. We respond to you, and we just say thank you for being God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for... For, uh, for putting these missionaries in front of us that we can 
pray over them, that we can connect with them, and we can, we can partner with them, Lord. And many of them are, are, are relying on our relationship, our love, our prayer, and our giving. So, God, we just ask that you'll be blessed as we put you at the top. In your name we pray. Amen.
come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. And outside the snow is falling, friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with me. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, it's grand. Just holding your hand. So we've been in a series, Christmas in the Berg. I was uh, in our life group, a couple, uh, couple people not from Pittsburgh all their life, and they told me that they had never heard some of these things, so I said, at least thanks for humoring me as we go along, right? Uh, some of these things about Pittsburgh. So I'd like to share with you a little bit about Pittsburgh today, a little bit of the Christmas in the Berg. And so one of my childhood memories was, uh, of Christmas in Pittsburgh was always associated with the free care fund for the children's hospital. So people would come in, uh, in, in your offices and in schools and, and everywhere. People would come and they would gather up funds to give to the Children's Hospital Free Care Fund. And you would go downtown Pittsburgh. And I think at one point it was in the horns and the window at uh, Joseph Horns, that department store. It was also in the window over at, the, at Kaufman's. And as, as a, a child, I remember going down Smithfield Street. Was, Smithfield Street was the front of Kaufman's where you could see all those windows that I talked about a few weeks ago. And then if you went up Fifth Avenue, you would see the other windows. And one of those windows uh, was Jack Bogut would sit in there. Or, or they would have the, uh, it was the, uh, the radio mobile or whatever would sit on the outside. He would broadcast live, and you would go up, and you would give your funds uh, to Children's Hospital, and you got to say a brief moment on air. So it was a pretty cool thing. And uh, so I found a little tape here, just, just, a, just a little recording, and I want you to listen to it. This is Jack Bogut. He was the AM. It was KDKA AM. Everybody listened to KDKA AM on the way to work. I mean, that was your drive time, was KDKA AM. Even us kids listened to it because that's how we knew if school was canceled or not, okay? I mean, I, I, my school, I had to listen all day because my school was South Hills, right? It was down the bottom. It took forever for him to get there. And you would just listen for him to announce that. So the, they kind of stumbled upon this to raise funds, and it became a very big generosity of Pittsburgh. So I want you to listen to, to Jack Bogut tell about it from 1981. The Children's Hospital collection effort is the very best thing that we are allowed to do all year long. And I say allowed to do because we didn't really plan this. We just got involved in something that seemed worthwhile. And over the years, the, the people all over this area, in high schools and corporations and people that live in neighborhoods, go out and collect money for Children's Hospital in any way that they can. And they bring it to us, and we just collect it and then turn it over. So we really don't do all that much. But the people of this area are exceedingly generous. That's kind of like saying the Pope is sort of Catholic, right? Well, this has been demonstrated over the years that this is the single most generous area for charitable giving and helping others of any region in the United States. And that's true. So we can all feel a real sense of pride. And let's go back now and recapture some of those moments over the entire three-week period as captured on recording tape and put together and edited by Dan Skrapsky, one of our producers. Have yourself a It is 
really, uh, it's frosty out here this morning, and it's going to get colder. We'll look forward to seeing you down here to have some hot coffee and a Barkleberry Heart from McDonald's and donate a little money to Children's Hospital, because this is how we do it. for Children's Hospital. Let's find out who this is. I'm Frank Weidler, and I'm uh, representing the Design Services Department and Reproduction Department of the Elliott Turbo Machinery Company in Jeanette, PA. And this year, uh, we have a donation of $810. And the good news is that uh, it's about triple to what we did last year. We raised $642.49, which Mr. Delegate matched, giving us a grand total from the co-op and the delegate. So you would go down Pittsburgh and you would you would give your money to the to the children's hospital. You can still do this. Uh, the locations are different. Everything's changed, but they would give you a Farkleberry tart or a Farkleberry heart, Farkleberry cookie, and uh, that that is something that's only in Pittsburgh, folks. All right, you can only get a Farkleberry cookie in Pittsburgh. I just want you to know that. And uh, what it was it was a direct result of responsibility. And there's a picture of the Farkleberry cookie. And, uh, and I've, I've even taken it a step further, because when I told the staff I was going to talk about the Farkleberry cookie, they laughed hysterically. Um, because, you know, some don't understand the depth of Pittsburgh here, right? So they, they laughed, and it took me a few minutes for the gain of composure. So I went all the way to the Oakmont Bakery yesterday, the only place you can get a Farkleberry cookie. And I've got a Farkleberry cookie for each one of you as you leave today, all right? Uh, it, it, as you leave, they, they'll be handing them out there. They are individually wrapped. And uh, they have done that because they're, they have like a powder on the outside. And uh, when you eat them, you kind of wear it. So I came back from, uh, from having, I, I, you know, I got in the car. I ate one. It was all over me. I walked in the door. And my wife goes, hey, the cookie looks good, huh? It was good, huh? So uh, I would encourage you to take it home and eat it. But you'll get one of those on the way out the door. But the whole thing about the Farkleberry cookie was about Christmas. And the whole thing was that it was generosity in Pittsburgh. And did you hear him say on there, at least in, in the 80s, they said that Pittsburgh was one of the greatest areas for generosity? This region was known for its generosity. And I ask you, why, why is it that from Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas, a period of about six weeks, why is it that we think about generosity more in that period during the Christmas season than any other season than any other time. Why is it that the man stands out there with the red bucket and the, and the bell for the Salvation Army and he rings the bell in two-degree weather in Pittsburgh uh, when he could do that in August? I, I've never seen those guys in August. Generosity is prevalent at this time, prevalent around Christmas. Why is generosity so prevalent? Some people have tried to tell me it's because of the wise men. If you go and you look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, and when they had come into the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and we all know that these wise men brought gifts, you know. You probably heard the little kid that said that the wise men brought gold, frankenstein, and myrtle, right? Um, you know, every, from little kids on, we know that the wise men brought gifts. 
But I want to take it, and, and I want to connect this this morning, the generosity is really about Christmas. It's really about God's story of Christmas. Because as we go through the Christmas season, you're going to hear people say all kind of words like, you're going to hear the word Mary out there, Merry Christmas, right? You're going to hear the word tree. You're going to hear the word Santa. You're going to hear the word Jesus. And out of all of those words, and even, even with the name of Jesus being prevalent out there, there's a, there's a word that you're going to hear even more than that, and it's probably going to be the word gifts. Everybody's thinking about a gift. Everybody's thinking about the gift that, uh, that you're going to buy. Uh, you know, since Black Friday, you've been thinking about gifts. And, you know, there's Amazon is working overtime. It's amazing. You see them up and down the street. When our mailman comes in, I ask him how you're doing. He goes, oh, I can't wait for Christmas to be over. <laughs> he says, Amazon has got us busy, man. You know, what, when you used to go to the mall, now the mall's coming to you. And, uh, and it's like everybody's thinking about a gift. But I want to take it a step further. It wasn't the wise men that started generosity. It was God himself. And this is the most familiar verse in all the Bible I'm going to put up. John 3.16. And I want you just to read the first line with me. For God so loved the world that he gave. Right there. He gave. Do you see generosity didn't start with three wise men that traveled two years to, to a manger to see the newborn Jewish king. No, no, that wasn't the ones who started it. It was God himself who saw your need for a savior and he sent the son of God to this manger. It was him who started, for God so loved the world that he gave. God is the author of generosity. And because he gave, therefore we should give also. And because we can't even give unless we receive from him. Do you realize that every good and perfect gift in your life comes from the Father above? The scripture says that. Everything good in your life. You cannot, you cannot take any credit for the good things. It all comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. But the greatest gift... More than the air that you're breathing today, more than the health that you have, more than the finances and the job and the family, more than all that, God loved the world so much. He loved you so much that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him, there's grace, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Oh my, the grace of God is incredible. As a matter of fact, the, the Apostle Paul said it well in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I want you to think about Jesus. He's our gift. He, this is the generosity of God to give his one and only son. God the son comes to the earth. It is an indescribable gift. There's not even words that the apostle Paul, some translations translate it for his unspeakable gift. He can't, he can't pull a word that gives you enough to describe how awesome the gift of God is. And thanks be to God. Let us have gratitude for this unspeakable speakable this indescribable gift it's far beyond words that's the kind of god that we love because of his generosity towards us in acts chapter 15 the apostles tell us he says but we we believe that we are saved through the grace of the lord jesus christ 
And the message paraphrase says it like this. We are saved because the master Jesus, amazingly, out of sheer generosity, moved to save us. I want you to think of the grace of God as the generosity of God. God's grace is his sheer generosity. Do you realize you don't deserve heaven? I don't deserve heaven. It is his sheer generosity. What did you do to gain the favor of God? You can't do anything to gain the favor of God. You know, it's like you read in the Bible about Mary and Joseph, and, and he's, the angel comes and says, Mary, you have found favor with God. That is not because she did something. It's because he did something. God did something. God said, okay, Mary, I'm choosing to use you. And same is true in your life today. God says, I have found favor with you. You see, that's incredible. It's sheer generosity. It's far greater. See, the, the, whole, the whole reason for generosity started because of this message of Jesus Christ. And, and gifts are being given right now, and there's so much giving happening, and there's generosity flying everywhere, and you don't see that around Memorial Day. You don't see that around Labor Day. You don't see that around the 4th of July. You see it around the six-week period to celebrate the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came to pay for your soul. That's why generosity exists, because of his generosity. And, and take it a step further. Uh, 1 John 4, 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. It takes it a step further. He says, this is real love. Not that we love God. Did you ever think about that? You didn't initiate this. Not that you love God. He says it right there. Not that you love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. This is mind-boggling. That a God who loves you so much, while your back is turned on him, while you're not loving him, comes and loves you. That is sheer generosity. That the, that, that the God of the universe would come and love you and care for you and make a way for you to have life. Now, we're going to look at the depth of the generosity this morning. So, so you think of God being generous. We think of the Son of God coming to earth to pay for our sin. Now, let's look into the narrative this morning. I want you to catch something this morning about the depth of the generosity of God. Because it's deep and sometimes we kind of pass over it. And we don't catch the depth of the generosity. This morning, I want you just to pay attention because this is big. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ as follows. And we began here last week. and We're going to pick up here again. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And as I shared last week, the, the betrothal period was like, a, it was like a legal engagement, if you will, okay? It's the closest thing that we can understand is legal engagement. Um, there was, it was a binding contract. So what would happen, you would be betrothed. You would be in this betrothal period, and then the next thing to come would be the ceremony. There were no physical relationships during the betrothal, but to get out of a betrothal required a divorce. 
So it was that serious. This was legal binding. This wasn't like, oh, I decided against it. Uh, today we, can, we have engagement. You can get out of that a lot easier than they could ever get out of betrothal. Okay, so she was betrothed to Joseph before they became, before they came together. In other words, before they had physical relationships, uh, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, faithful to the law, just man, he was faithful to the law. Uh, there, under under the provision of the law, there were several things that he could have done to uh, to deal with her uh, in this condition. Because, you know, here she is with child. So the first thing that's coming into Joseph's mind is she's been unfaithful. He's not thinking, yeah, God's giving us a baby. He's thinking, how did this happen? And uh, right here, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he, uh, faithful to the law, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately, secretly. But while he thought about these things, while he thought about these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take your Mary, your wife. To take you, Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's, here's what happened here. He's coming and saying, listen, this is, this is of God. This is, she's a virgin, and God put the baby in there. And, and, and so... Let me share with you, as far as thinking about the Messiah coming, the Jewish people, it wasn't necessarily on their radar that it would be a virgin. Although there were, there were prophecies of it, but they're thinking, they're thinking more of a political guy. They're thinking like, like David had a son named Solomon. And they're thinking out of the house of David, one day the next leader would rise. So they're not, they're not, that's not, that's not like, they're not looking for that on the scene. And so when the angel comes, this, this is important for us to note. It's important for us to have it. And, and the reason it's there is because you couldn't make up a story like that. Have you ever noticed that? Two things about the, 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 the life of Jesus I've noticed that have never been tried to replicate in any other story. One is the virgin birth and two is the resurrection. And so here it is with the virgin birth. Matthew puts it down. It proves the validity of the story. You see, he's telling us this is how it actually happened. And it happens to be a very important fact for us as we understand that our sacrifice went to the cross was the perfect son of God. He says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. This is the long-awaited Messiah. This is the long-awaited promised one from God. And he says he will save his people from their sins. And, and, and to a typical Jewish mind, now I want you to catch this because a typical Jewish person is not thinking that they needed saved from their sin. They're thinking that they needed saved from Rome. Uh, they were under the Roman oppression, under Roman occupation. They, they did not need saved from their sin. You know what they did with their sin? They had a plan for their sin. It was called the temple. And as they went to the temple, there were sacrifices. And, and so they didn't see their need for a spiritual savior. They saw their need for a king savior, for a warrior king. And as this warrior king would come, he would free them from Rome. But what does the angel say? He will save his people from their sins. Now we're going to come back to that because I think sometimes we don't catch the total depth of that statement that he will save his people from their sin. 
So, uh, so uh, continuing on. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, and then he quotes from Isaiah, who, who gave this prophecy 700 years earlier. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took him his wife, and he did not know her, didn't have physical relationships with her, until, uh, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Uh, the depth of the generosity of Jesus is right there in verse 21. He says there that he will save his people from their sins. Now, when we read that, we typically, we, we typically get out of that that we will be forgiven of our sin. And forgiven of our sin is huge. That, that, is, that, is, that is like, wow. I, I, but that's not the depth of the statement. Yes, you are forgiven of your sin. But what he's saying, I, now, now remember, they wanted to be free from Rome, from the reign, from the authority and the power of this oppression. And so whenever, whenever the angel is coming and saying, he will save you from, this is, a, this is more than just forgiveness. He says that he is going to save you from, save his people from their sin. It carries the idea of this, that God has come to save us from the power of sin. You see, he saved us from the punishment of sin, and that's, that's huge. Don't get me wrong. That's huge because when you die and you go to heaven or, or you go to hell, those are, only, those are your only options. Jesus came to provide a way so that you may go to heaven, and we take that from the verse because that is huge. But there's something a little bit more here, folks. He's come to rescue you from sin itself. He's come to rescue you from the power that sin grips and lays upon people's lives. While Jesus was on earth, there was a woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus was at the temple, and these uh, Pharisees, they, they drug this woman down to the temple, and they're ready to stone her. And Jesus knows that they're not going to stone her at the temple. You don't stone people at the temple, Right? So he, he steps up and says, hey, and, uh, and he has interaction with him. And, and you may remember, he says, let him, who has, let him who is without sin cast the first stone, right? So one by one, they all put their stones down and they walk away. And then Jesus does something that is incredible. He comes over and I could just see Jesus putting his arm around this lady uh, and saying, honey, your sins have been forgiven. And only God could do that. That's why they were chasing Jesus. That's why he went to the cross, because he claimed to be God. He is God. He is who he claimed to be. He was the one who had the power to forgive sin. No priest could do that. You had to go behind the, uh, to the Holy of Holies. You had to make your sacrifice. You had to go to the temple. But Jesus said to this woman, you, your sins have been forgiven. And then he said the next step, which is typically that we leave off. He says, go and sin no more. He says, go and leave your life of sin. And you know, typically we like to jump around that part because we don't know what to do with it. 
we feel like, how can this lady, now this was, she was probably a repeat offender, folks. She was caught in the act. And they drag her down. I mean, this is a public big display. And, and Jesus says, your sins have been forgiven. So we see the grace of God. There's the great gift of God. And then he says, you don't have to go there anymore. Do you realize how revolutionary, how revolutionary that was for Jesus to say that? Because I have typically looked at that and I have thought, man, I have to be good. I have to, I have to march to this drumbeat. How, how can this woman who was, who was filled with adultery, how can she just go out and leave her life of sin? But God said, I've come to free you from the power of your sin. Jesus came to free you from your sin, save you from your sin. So that lady that day, she didn't have to go there anymore. You know, the Apostle Paul said it well. The Apostle Paul said uh, over in, um, over in, I'm sorry, Jesus said it in John 10.10. He says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. This is one of my favorite verses. I bring it up often because do you realize the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Do you, do you know Satan comes to do that in your life? And then there's your own sin. That's what sin does. Sin comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Your sin, I don't even need Satan's help. I screw up my life on my own, okay? I, I, I don't need him to tempt me. I've done it already. I've, I, I don't need his help. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God says, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. You you see, when Jesus was given this promise, when when the angel was given this promise that that he would come, he would save his people from their sin, do, do you see what was, it wasn't just something that was eternity. It wasn't something that kicked in on my last breath. It's something that kicked in on my first prayer. It's something that kicked in whenever I came to God, when God opened my heart and said, hey, I'm taking the blinders off of you, and you are going to receive my gift of eternal life. And I began to have life, and I began to experience life to the full. It's not something that we talk about in in the sweet by and by. Because we've got to live in the nasty now and now, okay? We've got to make it through this. And God has given you life today. And some of you are saying, well, I'm not experiencing too much life. Well, the Apostle Paul says it well over here in in Romans chapter 6. He says, therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't let let sin reign in your body. Uh, There's that idea of authority. Don't let sin, don't stay under the authority of sin. That's why Jesus came, so that you don't have to be under the authority of sin anymore. Verse 13, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands. He says, don't offer your parts to the authority of sin. Do you know why? Because sin destroys. You don't have to go there anymore. 
like Jesus said to the woman at the well, uh, to the woman, I'm sorry, at the, in adultery, like he said, and he puts his arm around her, you have been forgiven and you don't have to go there anymore, neither do you. You've been set free. You don't have to go there anymore. You've been brought from death to life. I love what Ravi Zacharias says, and I quote this often. Ravi Zacharias said that, that God didn't come, Jesus didn't come to make, good, uh, make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And that's what the verse says right here. He, the, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as an instrument of righteousness. And so you get to come before God and offer yourself to him as some, hey God, here, use me today. And you're no longer under the slave of sin. Romans 6.14, for sin shall not be your master. Because you're not under the law, you're under grace. Now check this out. (laughs) This is so good. You go out and you sin. You haven't been freed from the presence of sin. When we get to heaven, we'll be freed from the presence of sin. So you go out, you're at work, and you have this bad day. Uh, You had this fight with your wife. You have all these things, right? Yeah, anger, all these things that you're dealing with, right? You're under grace. See, the law was to show us that we couldn't get there on our own. And when we fail and come short of that law... You're under grace. He says, before grace, you were a slave to that sin because you just had to keep going back and keep going back. And those things became repetitive. They became things that defined you. He says, for sin shall not be your master. You don't have to let sin be your master. Romans 6.23, just a few short verses down. For the wages of sin is death. And I want you to think this morning about, about how sin really brings death. You know, there, there's the, the eternal concept of death. That, uh, that we get what we deserve from our sin, it brings death. We are separated from God forever and ever in a real place called hell, the Bible says. And, uh, and, and that, that sin, that causes a big rift between us and God. But let's look at the daily life. You've been following Christ and you're going back under the power of sin. You've been freed from it, but sometimes we go back and we we let it have authority. We let it reign. And what does it do? Sin begins to kill. Sin causes death. Uh, How many of you have had, maybe you've known somebody or yourself have experienced death in a marriage killed by sin? Uh, Your finances have been killed by sin. Relationships killed by sin. Uh, addictions, habits, you name it. There are so many of these things that have, that have caused problems in your life. And so even though you come and we say, I know that these sins have been forgiven, do we understand that sin, when we step out and we go into that realm, we put ourselves under the control of that sin, it destroys. It destroys. Just like Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin will destroy your life. The good news is but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we understand that and when we die, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you get to go to heaven and you get to be with him forever and ever. You're no longer separated from him in hell. You will get to be with him forever and ever. 
That's the exceptionally good news because that's, I will spend millions of years with God and only hopefully 99 years here on earth, right? Maybe 69, I don't know, all right? Uh, so, so it's like, you know, I'm going to be here a short time. But the news is even deeper because God said he came to free us from that sin and that life begins now. Eternal life. Let me tell you when I got eternal life. I do not get eternal life the last breath. I get eternal life today. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, he said, Jesus is saying to you, you don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to wreck your marriage anymore. You can be free. Don't let sin be a slave. Don't, don't, let, you be, don't let it be the master. Don't you be a slave to sin. Let God be your master. Walk away from it. And you say, but how can we do that? I thought I'm going to sin till the day I die. Yes, I will likely sin to the day I die, but it doesn't have to be my master because I am no longer under the law, but I'm under grace. And I want to encourage you today to understand that you have been freed from sin. See, this is the generosity. This is why we celebrate. This is why I'm, you know, I'm, I've got lights on my house outside. I've got a snowman and lights outside. Why? Because the light, my life has changed because of who he is. We celebrate. This is why we give. This is why I'm giving to those missionaries. This is why I'm teaching my kids from the time they were little to pray about, the, about giving God a bigger gift than anybody else that they give. That's why. Why? Because God's given them the biggest gift of all. He says, I'm going to give you eternal life. And it's going to start now, and you don't have to be under the power of sin. So check this out. Sin is not your master. Lust is not your master. Lack of self-control is not your master. Alcohol, anger, unforgiveness, jealousy, rage, those are not your master. You may slip, you may fall, they're not your master. You can be free from that today. That's why Jesus came. Sin doesn't have to be your master. Matthew one twenty one, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for for he will save his people from their sins. So this morning I ask you, it's an interesting thing about generosity. You have to accept it. Through the years, somebody comes to give you a gift, and what, have you ever said, oh, I couldn't accept that? You know, typically when we say that, it's our pride in a way, you know? You know, if somebody says, hey, you know, I got a brand new truck, pickup truck up there for you in 2018, I'm going to say thank you, folks, all right? It's okay. It's okay. I've learned that lesson, right? God comes to you. He says, stop trusting everything else. Surrender to me. Surrender to me. Don't be the master to your anger. Don't, don't be a slave to your anger. Don't be a slave to your jealousy, to your hatred, to your unforgiveness. He says, just let it go. This is the greatest generosity, but you've got to receive it. And for many have received it, but have gone back and you're living under the slavery. You, you just go up. It's like every day you get back up and you say, okay, 
All right, so I have to put the I have to put the, I have to put on my shoes of unforgiveness this morning, or I have to put on my shoes of anger. I have to put on my shoes of hatred because you don't understand what those people did to me. You don't understand. No, I don't understand. But I'll tell you this: you don't have to put that on anymore. You don't have to be a slave. Let God be your master. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to accept the generosity of Jesus. You know, we slip, we fall, we sin, and God forgives. But he's done more than free you from the punishment of sin. He's freed you from the power of sin. And today, maybe there are some in the room, no doubt there are in a group this size, many who have not opened their heart to Jesus yet and trusted, truly trusted him. No, I'm not talking about something your parents know. I'm not talking about something you've heard all your life. I'm talking about you and God, and you really get in, and you're trusting him. You're saying, he's my savior. I'm going to trust him. I don't want to be a slave anymore. I want to be freed. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray this morning. And maybe you've heard this prayer before. But today it's going to be real. And maybe this is your first time ever hearing that message. If that's you, either way, would you respond to Jesus? With every head bowed and eye closed, would you just respond to him? Dear God, I need a Savior this morning. I've been a slave to sin. But you said in your word that you came to free me from my sin. So God, I invite you into my life. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You transformed. I'm asking you to transform my life. Thank you for coming back to life again for me. I submit to you. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And for others in this room, maybe you've been following God a a long time but you've been slipping back to the uh, to the power of sin maybe there's some things in your life and I don't even know what those sins are but you've been you've been you have been slave that sin has become your master and it's stealing your joy it's stealing your marriage it's stealing every relationship you've got to let it go this morning and come to Jesus to go there anymore just like Jesus told the woman who was caught in adultery you've been forgiven you don't got to go there ever again God I pray you'll be with your people Lord as we respond to you I am overwhelmed with your generosity God we as a church family we're overwhelmed Lord we don't deserve it but you did it for us you sent your son to come in this manger And that wasn't the end of the story. For he went to the cross and he saved his people from their sin. He rose again and when he conquered death, Lord, that was the day that the battle was won. The victory has been made and we are free. Free at last. We don't have to go back there. Lord, I pray you'll be with those today that opened their heart to receive your generosity. 
Lord, I pray you'll be with many others who are struggling with who their master will be. But God, give them freedom. May they know they don't have to go there anymore. They're free. Your grace abounds. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's please, as you just close out today. What hope we hold this starlit night. A king is born in Bethlehem. Our journey long, we seek the light that leads to the hallowed manger ground. What fear we felt in the silent age, 400 years can he be found, but broken by a baby's cry, rejoice in the hallowed manger ground.